Welcome back to the McCann Dogs Podcast, Season 3, Episode 2, information from me and some from Shannon. That doesn't rhyme at all. To you. I don't know. Yeah, there's something (laughs) there. I don't know what it is. Um, But this is a pretty um, uh, common thing we hear from people is people are headed back to work. You know, our lives are getting back to normal. Our households are changing a little bit. And what that looks like for your dog can be quite a challenge for a lot of people. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about a blog post that Instructor Shannon has just published on our McCann Dogs blog. Uh, talks about how going back to work will impact your dog. And if you think that, um, you know, well, geez, I mean, I've been back at work. It's, it's, me, for example, you guys might know that I've, I've worked as a firefighter for lots of years and, and I've been working throughout. But I know there are lots of people out there who already have some challenges. All This is for anyone who works away from home. You know, this, is, this isn't just... For the change, this is for anybody who might have a, be wondering, like, how, how can I best prepare my dog for when I'm away at work? I see this question a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Or even for any absences, you know, we all have different lives and different routines and things come up and we want our dogs to not be thrown for a loop when their life makes a change. We want them to be in a situation where we've sort of generalized how routines behave and we've got the important points down. And for the most part, our dogs can roll with the punches, but there's going to be a big change for a lot of people soon as they head back into the office, hopefully. Fingers crossed that that all sticks. Um, And the funny thing is, is as I was writing this article, I was basically thinking about the same things as I was when I wrote How Will Isolation Impact Your Dog two years ago. And I mean, who knew? Who knew how long we were going to be down this rabbit hole of COVID? But um, a lot of the same points that I made. So really, it's just about helping your dog acclimate to your life, regardless of what your life looks like. And, and this is something that we, you know, we get the opportunity to chat with and help coach um, hundreds of online students every single week. Shannon, you're in those groups every day almost. And uh, along with our other instructors, the team of instructors that uh, focused on our online training programs and from people from all over the world, you know, we have 53 countries represented and people from all over the world. It's funny how many puppy owners, dog owners have the same kinds of problems. You know, we're, we're so likely it's almost default to think like, wow, this, my dog, this problem, you know, my dog has this thing. He must be, but you see those same challenges throughout lots and lots of different dog owners and, um, leaving your dog at home or that, uh, the times. And maybe for some people it's like, you know, they're going, uh, to the store, you know, it's not, we don't want to mm-hmm. think about this, just, just a set amount of time. And I think we're probably going to dive into some of that in the article, but, um, we do need our, we want our dogs to be comfortable. We want our dogs to be relaxed. We don't yes. want them panicking. And this is what we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. We've got lots of good stuff. So, um, the first uh, uh, section of your article, where did you go? And uh, this is, this is, you know, this is the starting point. I, a lot of people say to us, well, my dog, I think they have separation anxiety because as soon as I go out the door or, you know, I get calls from the upstairs apartment saying my dog's making a huge racket. Um, we need to give our dog some context in some sort of, I guess, a frame of reference maybe about, um, 
the fact that we're leaving because maybe they're absolutely. so used to us being home. Yeah, absolutely. And dogs' lives are really, they're all about association and they're all about habit and ritual. So if you have just spent the last, you know, year and a half to two years with yourself working from home, with the kids maybe homeschooling, et cetera, and now all of a sudden everybody goes back to their regular lives and the dog finds themselves alone, it's going to be a really big culture shock for them. So what we want to do is we want to sort of cushion that a little bit. We want to help prepare them. You know, hopefully you have some warning for when you're heading back to the office and you've got a little bit of time that you can work on things, but we've got some workarounds if you are just suddenly headed back in and uh, you need some tips for helping cushion that from your dog. We want to make sure that they're not suddenly stressed out by this quiet household where there was so much action before and now all of a sudden everybody's gone. And all they can hear is the outside noises of the home, which are already triggering for dogs to bark because with territory and whatnot, we end up in a situation where they hear noises outside. They're not quite sure how to identify those. Those might have been drowned out by before by the activity in the home, TVs being on, kids running around, et cetera, et cetera. So now you might have some problems in terms of nuisance barking, in terms of your dog getting stressed out about all of the action going on outside of the home and maybe looking for ways to alleviate that stress. So I see a balance of people who come to our podcast and come to our YouTube channel. There's a balance of people who are looking for like actionable items. And there's also a pretty big segment, surprising to me, of people who are looking at like big picture thinking, like how do I how do I have a deeper understanding of mm-hmm. what my dog's doing, the choices my dog's making? And, and those people, I have fun. That's Those are really, you know, the people that I connect with because yeah. that's what I enjoy about the dog training as well. But for both of those types of listeners, we need to talk a little bit about routines and rituals mm-hmm. uh, and, and why that would be impactful for your dog. It's actionable. The You know, we can talk about some of the routines that you might put in place and why it would be so helpful for your dog as you are spending more time out of the house. Yeah, absolutely. And and everybody's going to have individual routines and rituals. So look critically at your day before you start making any changes, before you start trying to sort of cushion the blow that's coming for them. Look critically at your day and at the different things that might occur with you out of the house. You know, for example, if they're used to you, my own day is it's very routine. I tend to do um, I do support with our online students from 8 a.m. until 10 a.m. every excuse me, 10 a.m. every morning. And then at 10 a.m. when support's over, I tend to take Ned out for a little wander and a little walk. So you better believe that at 10 a.m. Ned is sitting beside me, staring at me, waiting for me to go. He knows what time it is. They have exceptional internal clocks. And if all of a sudden I was gone at 10 a.m. and he was looking for, you know, this thing that we do at 10 a.m., in his brain, he's not going to be able to logically say, okay, well, that's not going to happen today. No big deal. He is instead probably going to get stressed out about the situation. So what I need to do is I need to look at that ritual critically and I need to think, how can I change that? How can I make sure that 10 a.m. doesn't come and when I'm not in the house, Ned is suddenly panicking about that situation? So looking at my routine, for example, leading up to leaving the home, I would change that 10 a.m. routine. You know, I might take him for a walk before 8 o'clock, before we get started and do our little exercise routine then. I might change it so that it comes at different intervals at that time. I might change it so that I take it out altogether and have him walk later in the day. You know, basically what I'm going to 
do is I'm going to mix up the situation so that it can generalize for Ned. So he's not so focused on 10 a.m. being the time that he needs to wait for. And again, it amazes me how good they are at telling time. But definitely, definitely good internal clocks. Uh, I cautioned you about getting him a Timex. <laughs> Yeah. And clearly, he watch. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He's also sending he's texts. He's a modern in em- em- emojis, dog emojis. <laughs> this is um, this is something that I wish more people would really think about when it comes to training their puppy, training their dog for issues like you know coming home. The, the amount of people that have struggles when okay, here's here's one house training for example, or barking in the crate. If you um if you come home uh, and you're working in your crate training, and every time you come back in the house or home or whatever, you uh, immediately let the dog out of the crate. You've established mm-hmm. this routine of uh, that your dog. There's an expectation that oh, there you are. You've probably made a fuss if you're rushing over to let them out. You've probably made a fuss all the way over, and this dog is this excitement level is peaking you're going to have more challenges when you have the dog in a crate and you enter the room. I mean, it's just, you've just conditioned that dog to think that every time you walk in, they're going to be allowed out. It's going to be a big party session. Um, I mean, we could probably apply the same, um, the same way of thinking to of tons of different problem behaviors or perceived problem behaviors in your dog's life. Um, but if you need to establish a different routine or randomize that, yes. you need to randomize that for your dog. And let's talk a little bit about, you know, why, why it's important. Yeah, absolutely. And there's actually, there's two different, um, two different training modes that you're talking about there with crate training that we can get into to make sure that our dogs generalize that behavior. There is trying to make them comfortable with the crate initially, in which case we we do whatever we can because the first introduction to the crate when we bring this puppy home they're separated from their litter mates they're separated from their mother their life has just changed so drastically again their rituals and routines have been completely turned on their heads Mm -hmm. so in this case what we want to do is we want to minimize the stress as much as possible so that's why for the first few days if anybody's been watching the um, five alive puppy series on uh, our youtube channel you'll see that the first few days we you know we carried five alive around in the crate we made sure she was nice and close he pardon me i'm so used to kale having female dogs that <laughs> I, I can't get my head around know, the male part. But um, basically the goal was to make him comfortable with the crate, mm-hmm. comfortable with the situation so we could build on that. Right. So once we get that comfort level where he's happy to go in the crate, he's happy to hang out in there and he knows it's not an unsafe situation for him, now we can start generalizing all sorts of different things. We can get him used to being alone in his crate with some background music on, with a cover on so that he gets used to being solo and independent and recognizes that that is not something he needs to worry about. We can also get him used to being in the thick of things in his crate, where obviously he's going to be responsive to motion going on around him. You know, you might put the crate in the middle of the kitchen so that he gets used to just being in his crate and existing while action happens around him. We like to have a good variety of sort of everything so that the dog learns to just roll with the punches with life. Mm -hmm. It's not a big deal to be in the crate when there's action because we've practiced that. It's not a big deal to be in the crate when there's no action because we've practiced that. Yeah. And it's so interesting to me because uh, we're not a Corvette fix it channel. That's going to (laughs) sound weird for me to say, but what that means is that with all of the information and suggestions and things that we offer to people, 
bits and pieces of each might work for lots, you know, for, for your specific dog. You know, we're not working on a specific thing. Uh, not every answer is uh, exactly right for your dog. But one thing that across the board I've seen is something like crating can make a massive difference in anyone's dog training. And, um, you know, for a, many dogs that I've seen worked with, helped with, t- talked about that one of the part, great parts of working at McCann Dogs is we're constantly talking about dogs and dog training. Mm-hmm. Um, is that uh, teaching the dog that the crate is a comfortable, safe place can allow you to avoid separation challenges. You know, the, yes. the issues with the dog barking and fussing and wondering where you are and pacing back and forth, those things can actually make the situation worse. Yeah. So if you teach your puppy or your dog that the crate is a great place to be, and again, I say puppy and or dog because... I introduced the crate to my dog at two years old. There's lots of students who are introducing a, their, the, the crate to their dog, not just when they're first home as a puppy. Absolutely. But these, these kinds of things can really, you teach the dog that it's a safe place to be. I mean, it's your bedroom, mm-hmm. right? It's your bedroom when you're a kid. Think of how uh, safe, comfortable, uh, you know, maybe that's where you went to whatever, you know, you, you knew it was a comfortable place. It was always the same and it was yours. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to teach the dogs about the crate. Absolutely. And building on that comfort level first. I mean, if, if you think about it in the opposite tactic, if you think about it in the way, you know, a decade ago, we used to train crate versus how we train crate now. If you think about putting the dog into a situation where they're already, you know, they're they're worried about the situation because it's a brand new situation. Now they're in this box that they've not been introduced to before, and then they're being isolated and sort of left to cry it out. This is a scenario that's probably their worst nightmare. They mm-hmm. they don't have history to rely on right. for knowing that the crate is a safe space. They've just lost what they've identified as a safe space. With their litter mates and their mother. And now they're in this situation where they don't have tactics to rely on other than what they've used in the past. And this tactic of crying would have normally brought litter mates, mother come running, and it would have worked to bring attention back. Mm -hmm. So now they're in the crate and they're trying that same tactic and it's not working. So they either will give up, which is what we were you know, hoping at that point would happen, or they'll buy into it more and they'll get more stressed and more anxious because this tactic that they knew to work is not working anymore. And they don't have other tactics to rely on at that point. So when we bring them into our lives, this is what we're doing. We're trying to teach them tactics that will align with what we want them to do. And being quiet in the crate is the better tactic for them to get out. So the first thing we want to do is make them comfortable so that they will offer quiet. And then that tactic we can build on. Yeah, we have lots of people that um, comment on some of our crate training videos that say, like, I can't believe how long I put up with the whining and crying, waiting for the dog to get tired. And then I followed this video and my dog's sleeping. You know, yeah. my husband can now come back into our bedroom. <laughs> it was actually a comment I just read, you know, before we started the podcast. But um, it, it was, uh, it, it can make such a big difference. Now, not just the quiet time, but how, as you're training this, how you leave is actually a very important point when you're trying to get your dog comfortable with you not being there and a pretty common mistake. And I know I've made it, you know, I go, I head out the door, uh, for work at whatever, six o'clock in the morning or so. And, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, buddy, we'll see you later. I'm going to, you know, I'll be back in 24 hours and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, kills on, but, 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 uh, that was, that's not the right way to, uh, show your, let your dog know that it's going to be fine. You know, you just, just stay cool, relax, uh, and I'll come back. Let's talk about how leaving, how you should prepare to leave 
things you should be thinking about as you leave your dog to make sure that they have the most comfortable transition into you not being there. Yeah, you bet. It can definitely be problematic to make a big deal out of it because what that does is it draws attention to you leaving. So basically it says big flashing spotlight on the idea that I'm going to go away and you are going to be left on your own. So what we want to do is we want to de-ritualize our leaving so that our dogs aren't focused on the idea that once you leave, you're going to be gone for this grand amount of time. And then that might build into the anxiety for them. So I like to leave very nonchalantly. I actually have a joke, an inside joke with myself when I leave, regardless of where I'm going or how long I'm going to be, I say to the dogs, I'll see you and I'll be back in five minutes and out I go. And that is literally my leaving routine. I do nothing else. I don't dote on them. And, you know, when I first, um, when I first started to challenge myself to not make a big deal out of comings and goings with my dog, it was really hard for me. I found that, you know, my heartstrings, I kept, even though I'm a dog trainer and I try not to be anthropomorphic, I kept thinking like, oh my gosh, they are, they're not even going to think that I miss them when I'm gone. And like, no, Shannon, put your head on straight. That's not how they think. You know, if I open the door two minutes later, they're both sacked out on the couch. You know, they're not missing me. They're just waiting for the next opportunity to do something fun. So what I don't want to do is create a situation where they do miss me when I'm gone. I want them to be like, just chill about it, let it roll off their backs and no big deal. So I'll try to mix up my, my routines with my dogs as I'm teaching them that I'm leaving the house. I'll pick up my keys and put them in my pocket and wander around the house for 10 minutes before I leave. I will put my coat on, go outside, walk around the house, come back in, sit down, let my car warm up, you know, things like that. Rather than every time I'm about to leave the house, I make a big deal out of the dog, or maybe I don't, but I pick up my keys, I put on my coat and I walk out the door. And every single time I walk out the door, those events occur. Mm -hmm. My dog very quickly will start chaining those behaviors. And the second I pick up my keys, he's going to start stressing out because that cues him that I'm about to leave and he's going to be alone for a long period of time. I um, I was talking to a student, it was probably a couple of years ago now, we're dealing with a specific issue and we were talking about um, how his dog would always get really uh, stimulated when he was about to leave the house. And I said, well, let's talk about what happens before you leave the house. And he talked about precisely what you were saying. And it seemed like the... The, the thing, the turning point for this dog was when he'd go upstairs to brush his teeth. The dog would follow him up to go sit in the bathroom. He'd brush his teeth and then sometimes he'd be able to go out and play or do whatever. Um, but, you know, uh, not allowing your dog access to follow you up the stairs to brush. I mean, you have to brush your teeth, but mm-hmm. maybe take change the order. So maybe you yeah. get up, uh, if you're having an issue with something like this, maybe you get up a little bit earlier and maybe you go out and you take your dog for a quick walk. Yep. You go out and you have a quick tug, a quick something and change that, change the order uh, of operations in the morning. And the dog all of a sudden doesn't have that same step one, step two, step three, you're out the door. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, perception can make a big difference. The other golden nugget that you dropped there was also doing something to take the edge off them in the morning. You know, if you have an older dog that's used to you being home, they'll always have an easier time with that if they're feeling fulfilled yeah. heading into it. Yeah. So if you take them out in the morning and you, you know, uh, burn off some of that steam and tire them out nicely, that is a really good application for a tired dog is a good dog. And not that we're looking for good behavior through that, but we're looking to just take 
take the edge off so the yeah. anxiety doesn't build. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're content and they're not they're not full of energy that they're trying to get out, they're much more likely to sack out on the couch and just go to sleep until you come back home at the end of the day than yeah. if they have all this pent-up energy, which is going to fuel them looking for you, thinking about you, listening to noises, and basically starting to build into stress potentially. Getting back to that car fix-it uh, channel analogy, um, maybe your dog's a little bit different and maybe something, maybe they get really stimulated, really excited at the point that you're leaving. So in your situation, maybe giving your dog a Kong with a little bit of uh, food stuffed in it, a little, maybe you freeze it overnight, uh, two minutes before you leave the house. And, and then the next day, maybe it's, you know, 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, whatever it is, but, uh, not, not uh, having them focused on you as you leave the house can just uh, avoid that peaking of stimulate, uh, the dog being stimulated, really excited or whatever you're you're facing with your dog, but breaking that up so that the focus isn't about you because that might be the toughest transition for your dog. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the same with coming back home again. And that's probably what you're going to start start bridging into is that that's the harder part. And I find with myself, I have that good routine of see in five minutes, I'll be back in five as I go out the door. But when I come home and they're excited to see me. Oh, I know. It's really hard to be like, yeah, nice to see you too, guys. You know, my heart fills up. I'm glad to see them too. It's good for my ego. Oh, they missed me while I was gone. That's so nice. You know, you probably don't get that from from kids quite as much when they hit the uh, older years or the teenage years. Our spouse doesn't come wagging their tail up. She's like, oh, you're home. I keep saying to Kip, (laughs) like, you don't even get up and meet me at the door and the dogs are jumping all over me. Like, bring me a tennis ball, something. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Where's my slippers? That's right. (laughs) But, and maybe for you, you know, maybe for some dogs, Mac's a great example. Mac is just rather, you know, he's just an easygoing and Mac is my retired sheep competition dog, sheep herding dog. And he's just like laid back. So I'm, it's okay. And I don't have any issues when I leave. He's just so relaxed about life in general. So it's okay in that situation to get a little excited, like, Hey buddy, good to see you. I mean, we're, do, we, what we want to do is do what's best for that dog. Yes. And, um, you know, it, there are various, a sliding scale of, you know, tips and tricks for, for, for giving your dog great information. But, uh, if you, uh, have a dog like that, then it's okay to get a little bit more excited. It's okay to like really make a fuss when you get home, just be careful that yeah. you're not accidentally starting to install some of these bad behaviors, starting to install some of these I, I hate to use the word anxiety but you know I think loosely it is probably what's happening it is absolutely absolutely they build on it now to understand what's right for your dog and to give your dog the best information you can actually have access to our professional team of professional dog trainers including instructor Shannon so if you have a puppy that's under five months you can check out the link to our puppy essentials program and if you have a dog that's five months or older you can check out our life skills program and you'll get coaching daily coaching from one of our McCann dogs team so make sure you check that out in the show notes below now, Shannon, was there anything that you thought, any any tips, words of wisdom, something that you wanted to really suggest in part to our podcast audience about yeah, this topic? you bet. Just like I said in the beginning, look critically at your day and see where you can recreate that. So I am going to try as much as possible to keep things the same for my dog when I'm out as when I'm there. And as you're making the transition, that might mean that you need to enlist the help of a 
a dog walker or a friend. You know, if you're suddenly gone back to work eight hours a day and you work an hour from home, you're not coming home at lunch to let the dog out for a pee. But if you know that the dog can only make it four hours without needing to go out because that's traditionally what's happened when you've been home, you need to bridge that gap for them. You can't leave them for eight hours where their bladders aren't accustomed to holding and that's going to build the anxiety as well. You might end up in a situation where even your adult dog starts having accidents in the home again. So think about bridging that gap and you might have to hire a dog walker or something like that for a couple of weeks. You know, explain to them that you're in transition and you're trying to help your dog get used to you going back to work. So you're probably going to adjust the time that they come each day. You're going to want feedback from the dog walker. You know, what happened when you got to the house? Were they sacked out on the couch or were they standing waiting at the front window? You know, that'll, those are, those will be good signs about whether or not your dog is relaxed. Was the dog making noise when you arrived at the house? You know, were they potentially barking, howling, crying in the crate, et cetera? Get that feedback from the person coming in to help you and then come up with a plan so that you can move that line. You know, if they're used to getting out at noon to go out for a pee or go out for a walk, you can do that at noon. And then after three or four days, you can have the dog walker come at 1230. And then after another three or four days, maybe one or one thirty or two o'clock in the afternoon until you have bridged that gap. But try not to go go uh, completely cold turkey with these things because it can lead to other problems. I really like that advice. Uh, the amount of uh, times I see questions, comments across uh, the internet uh, about, you know, well, now I'm, I'm working eight hours. Mm-hmm. So what, how am I supposed to potty train my puppy uh, if I'm away for eight hours? Eight, you can't. Yeah, you it's can't, hard. You can't appropriately supervise. You can't appropriately manage a puppy for eight hours. So you're going to have to come up with a second strategy. And yeah. maybe that's a dog walker. Maybe yeah. that's someone coming into your home. Maybe you, uh, I don't know, you, you adjust your schedule so that you can give that dog uh, more support because Absolutely. It, that's a big change. And it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough challenge and you need to, somebody needs to be there to help the dog to be successful because there's no magic tool that we can suggest that is going to bridge that amount of time. Good information, good training, good planning, as instructor Shannon had talked about, that's exactly how you're going to get there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, a lot of people, people in our audience are probably thinking about daycare right now. And we have podcasts on daycares that um, we would definitely recommend having a listen to and thinking about critically before before you think about a daycare, um, especially if you are working with a puppy, because yeah, it yes. can lead to all sorts of other problematic behaviors that you will struggle coming back from as well. You're much better off with a dog walker, an individual pet sitter versus a daycare with a puppy. Yeah. Um, the general impression, you need to listen to these, you need to listen to the episodes, but the general impression is there are, there might be daycare that's the right um, choice for your dog, you need to know how to choose them. Yes. You, you need to know which, what are the, what are the factors that make this daycare the right one for me and my dog? Yeah. And we do have a podcast about that. And I yeah. also have a blog post about that. So if you search daycare on our website, you'll be able to come up with that and some ins and outs and do's and don'ts. Yeah. For awesome. Daycares. Well, listen, guys, we uh, are excited to be back. Episode two Yay. and uh, of season three. And we're excited that you're here listening uh, to us, uh, enjoying this content with us. And I'm excited to have you uh, in the mindset of like, 
understanding more about your dog, understanding more about your dog training. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, you know, happy to, um, happy to be here and, uh, you know, help, help, uh, the conversation along with instructor Shannon. Now in the very near future, we, you've heard instructor Robbie here on the channel and, or on the uh, podcast, and she's going to be here even more. And Can't we're wait. so excited about that. We're excited, excited to have instructor Robbie here even more often. And, um, on that note, I'm Ken, I'm Shannon. Happy training guys. Bye for now. Bye everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the McCann Dogs podcast. And if you'd like some more training resources, be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at McCann Dogs. And if you'd like to train with us online, be sure to check out the show notes below for our My Dog Can online training program, where we know in just a few weeks, your dog will become a well-behaved family member. Until then, happy training.